6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, February 4th, 2022. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Here's what's coming up in the next half hour. The California Report explores the state auditor's explosive review into San Diego jails. And today's kickoff of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics prompts the report's Saul Gonzalez to take a stroll down memory lane, reminiscing on Lake Tahoe's own 1960 games. We'll look at what's going on in regional news and weather, and Felton Pruitt chats with bluegrass musician Tim O'Brien about the release of his new album. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. With 185 jailhouse deaths over 15 years, California State Auditor has released a blistering report about conditions in San Diego County's jails, which are operated by the Sheriff's Department. The audit found a litany of problems in the jails, especially related to poor treatment of inmates' medical and mental health problems and the shoddy performance of regular safety checks on prisoners. The audit says current oversight bodies aren't doing their job, and it recommends that the state legislature intervene to improve conditions in the jails. The Sheriff's Department disputes some of the audit's findings and says it's taken appropriate measures to prevent and respond to inmate deaths and jail safety concerns. Los Angeles's lowest paid workers will get a pay bump this summer. Mayor Eric Garcetti has announced that LA's minimum wage will rise to more than $16 an hour on July 1st. KCRW's Daryl Satsman reports. LA's minimum wage jumped to $15 an hour for companies with more than 26 employees at the beginning of the year, and now it's set to go up again thanks to a minimum wage law that was passed back in 2015. That law incrementally lifted the minimum over the past few years. It also changed the city's municipal code to tie future hikes to the consumer price index for the L.A. metro area to keep up with inflation. Do the math, and that comes out to $16.04 an hour this year. That provision takes effect in July, and it will likely lead to further increases in future years. In his announcement, Garcetti said it's a reflection of L.A.'s commitment to end what he called poverty wages, and it potentially benefits about 600,000 local workers. L.A. is still behind some other California cities when it comes to raising the minimum. In the Bay Area, workers in Emeryville, Sunnyvale, and Mountain View are all guaranteed more than $17 an hour. For the California Report, I'm Daryl Satzman in Los Angeles. The woman dubbed California's vaccine czar is resigning to take a job in San Francisco. Yolanda Richardson has served as secretary of the government operations agency since January of 2020 and has played a key role in the state's pandemic response. Among other things, Richardson helped lead the state's COVID vaccination rollout. This comes after California's Surgeon General Nadine Burke-Harris also announced her resignation earlier this week. And finally, the 2022 Olympic Games open in Beijing today, and that sporting spectacle has some people remembering the one and only time the Winter Games were held here in California. It was in 1960 at the then-named Squaw Valley near Lake Tahoe, now renamed Palisades Tahoe. This, as you know, is the greatest spectacle in all winter sports. The world's best skiers and skaters have come to this remote valley with the odd-sounding name, Squaw Valley.
It was a surprise for many when Squaw Valley was chosen to host the 1960 Games. People outside of California didn't exactly think of the state as a winter wonderland, and conditions at Squaw Valley were pretty threadbare and rustic when preparations for the Olympics started. It was pretty much an empty valley. That's David Antonucci, the author of Snowball's Chance, the story of the 1960 Olympic Winter Games. There was a ski area there with one ski lift, two rope toes, and a 50-room lodge, and a, a gravel road leading into the valley. So there wasn't much there. But when athletes from 30 countries finally gathered at Squall Valley for the two weeks of competition, the place was ready for the global spotlight, thanks in part to the role of one man who knew how to put on a good show. First of all and foremost was the Walt Disney influence and the merging of entertainment with athleticism. It was Disney and his team who made sure the 1960 games were spectator and camera ready, with meticulous planning of the opening and closing events, entertainment programming, and the awarding of medals. Victory ceremonies crown each day with pomp and pageantry. The winner stands highest, second place on his right, third to left. But even with the world's attention focused on it, the Squaw Valley Games, says David Antonucci, were pretty informal. They were considered the last of the intimate, low-key games where the athletes and the spectators actually could mix together and almost all of the venues were in within walking distance, all very close to each other. And you literally could stand in one spot and see two or three of these events going on at the same time. As for the competitions themselves, women's speed skating and the biathlon made their Olympic debuts at the 1960 Games. And American Penny Patu was the only person to win multiple medals in skiing, getting two silver medals for a women's downhill and the giant slalom. Penny, number one to start, sets a blistering pace. She's been a top contender for at least four years. She's over in one minute, 38. A mark for shootout. And more than six decades later, what's the lasting legacy of the 1960 Olympics at Squaw Valley? Well, David Antonucci says the Games put California, especially the Lake Tahoe area, on the winter sports map. First of all, it catapulted Lake Tahoe to international stardom. And second, it kick-started the Western ski industry. We had a, a major expansion in alpine and even cross-country skiing in the years following the Olympics. And it it changed the perceptions more than anything about what California had in terms of winter recreation. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth.
And that is the California Report for Friday, February 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editors, Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinny Tong. Our executive editors, Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Now let's take a look at regional news. Nevada County Public Health reports 95 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. 4,351 cases are active, with 38 people hospitalized. 45-year-old Yuba County Jail inmate Daniel Herbert has died after being transported to a Marysville hospital. On Wednesday, February 2nd, Herbert was found unresponsive in his cell by correctional staff. He was taken to Adventist Hospital and hospitalized in critical condition before dying Thursday afternoon. Herbert remained in custody since January 22nd, following his arrest for felony possession and transportation of a controlled substance for sale. The official cause and manner of death await a full autopsy report. This from the Union of Grass Valley. The Nevada County Elections Office will reopen to in-person services Monday, February 7th. The Elections Office closed to in-person services temporarily after a group of recall supporters entered the office without wearing masks on January 19th. The following day, another group of recall supporters pushed their way inside after an employee opened the door slightly, officials have said. This from the Union of Grass Valley. A reminder for those heading into Grass Valley this weekend, this Saturday and Sunday, State Route 174 will be closed between Race Street and Empire Mine Road from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. for emergency tree removal. And Caltrans Traffic Alert warns that this upcoming Monday through Friday, February 7th through 11th, construction of a concrete median barrier extension will prevent left turns onto westbound Highway 50 from Camino Heights Drive from 7.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Now let's take a look at our regional weather this weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 38. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 63 gradually becoming sunny throughout the day. Sunday, sunny with a high near 65. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 20. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 47. Sunday, sunny with a high near 46. And down south, it's a similar story. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high near 67. Sunday, sunny with a high near 70. Up next, Felton Pruitt in conversation with bluegrass musician Tim O'Brien. You may remember O'Brien from his role as mandolin and fiddle player in the bluegrass band Hot Rise. The multi-instrumentalist has been a repeat performer at the Grass Valley Center for the Arts and Miners Foundry in Nevada City for over two decades. We're talking with Tim O'Brien, who has a new record out called He Walked On, and he's doing all sorts of fine things, so let's chat with him. It's Tim O'Brien, folks. Howdy. Hey, how you doing, Felton? How's uh, things out in Grass Valley and oh. Nevada City? <laughs> well, that's the same. You know, we, it's pretty much the same city out here. You could walk from Grass Valley to Nevada City if you wanted to. 
uh, as He Walked On. <laughs> That's your new album, He Walked On. I was just looking at the video for that. It's a very sweet video. It's just you walking around Nashville. Uh, why don't you explain <laughs> what the video is about? Well, um, you know, I have a record coming out, and uh, then I we're imagining what to do to promote it. And then, of course, COVID times, are, you spend up too much time in the house, so we went walking. Jen had the camera, and I had the I had the motion, and we walked <laughs> all over the place, and uh, and then we ended up walking right by the station inn, and uh, they had the plaque up that said R.I.P. Uh, J.T. Gray, who was the proprietor of the station inn, who had passed a week or so right before that time. Whenever we taped that, and uh, it seemed like a fitting thing, really, because you know it's funny. Uh, it's a song about just kind of getting through all this stuff getting through the muck and trying to get back to the real things. And of course, anytime you go down the station and you're getting back to a real thing. So uh, luckily the station is still there kind of carrying on pretty much the same design as JT made, which is good. Yeah. I got to uh, broadcast five nights out of the station in back in 2011 and JT was so kind and invited me in there. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that the station is still continuing on in Nashville. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have to say I haven't been down hardly at all uh, since the p- pandemic started because it just seemed like, well, I did uh, a taping for TV shows with uh, Sturgill Simpson, and that was about the only time I've been there since the pandemic started. But I still love the place, and they're still having shows down there. Hmm. And uh, one of these days I'll get my gumption up and go play a gig there again. Well, we'll get back to the new album in just a second with Tim O'Brien. But first, let's talk about your time with Sturgill Simpson. My goodness, what, what it was great. I saw you I, I saw you in one of the late-night shows, I think, uh, a year ago or so, uh, and it was Sturgill, but there you were playing with him. Yeah, it was a really fun thing. Uh, you know, he, come, he came into the studio, and he had recorded all these songs before, and uh, my good buddy David Ferguson produced, and he hired a nice band, and they were all buddies of mine. And, and uh, now they're buddies of Sturgill's. And so it was like a, it was really fun because he didn't have any uh, any problem with changing up the arrangements very slightly. He, he didn't have any, he'd already been through the initial recording of them. And, you know, you get your baby born and you kind of really, you baby it. You kind of, uh, you care for it and when you first put a song out. But this time he could let it kind of loose. And it was really fun. And there was no overdubbing. We did, I mean, we did some overdubs of vocals, but... There was no fixes. It were all live tracks. It was really fun and great players. Wasn't it that he took old songs that he had done country style and then he did them in the bluegrass world style now? Yeah. And, you know, what's amazing is it it all worked out. I, that's one of the things about bluegrass instrumentation. You can, you can kind of handle anything. I suppose some songs are kind of weird, but in Sturgill's case, he's from originally from eastern Kentucky. He played some bluegrass as he was coming up and... Uh, this was no stretch for him. He knows all about the Stanleys and the Monroes, and he's way into Larry Sparks and all that stuff. So it was, it was a coming home for him, and it was great for us. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And you're on what? The, are you on both Cutting Grasses? There's Volume One and Two. Yes, Volume One and Two, and then there's another one that came out in December, I think, called uh, Dude and Juanita. Right. That's so a, it sort was of a, a um, shorter concept one. record. Yeah, shorter one. Yeah. yeah. We are talking with Tim O'Brien, and uh, let's get into the, the new album that you have out. It's called He Walked On, and I wanted to talk about some of the songs on it. One of them I, I really love is Pushing On Buttons. Now, did you write that one? 
Yeah, I wrote that one um, a couple of years ago, and uh, it's. Uh, I think it might want to be one of the saddest songs that I've ever written. <laughs> Tell them what it's about, then. It's not that sad. Well, it is about the um, we're uh, turning away from one another and our wonderful personalities and our living lives to look at screens and push on uh, keys on computers and on on uh, smartphones. And uh, there's a thing. Uh, I can't remember the Greek philosopher, but he said, "If you got to be very careful about what you, what you think, what what ideas you hold, you have to you have to decide for yourself. Because if you don't, someone else will decide for you. And that's kind of one of the problems we're having in society right now. Is people are not really, you know, they're kind of okay. I like this. I like this. I don't like this. And then pretty much everybody's divided up. They're not really saying what they think. They just say, "Oh, I endorse what that guy thinks." Yeah. And then they forget what the nuances in between. So I don't know. We're just missing a lot of stuff. I mean, not everybody is hooked onto that stuff. And they're very handy, these uh, online tools and that kind of thing. But they're also, uh, they're like any kind of any kind of technology or any kind of drug. You've got to use them in moderation. <laughs> well, this is kind of a deep album because it's got a lot of deep subjects in it. I want to move on to the song "That's How Every Empire Falls," which is, uh, I think, is just an amazing song. Now, you didn't write that one. No, that one comes from R.B. Morris, and uh, I had not been aware of that song until spring of uh, 2020 when our hero John Prine died, and um, it was the you know a couple weeks or more after that. And still, really, kind of on a jag of listening to every John Prine song, and just had him on, you know, kind of on constant play off of a Spotify thing or whatever. And then this song popped up, and I went, "Wow, I've never heard that song." And I listened to it again, and said, "Wow, that's a really good song." And then I looked online, I found out that it's it's not written by John; it's written by this guy R.B. Morris, who I've known for years. He's a sort of beat poet from Knoxville, and uh, he said he want he was uh, opening the tour for John Prine. He had several gigs over the space of a week or something, and he wrote a, a different verse every day. And then towards the end, he was memorizing the song and singing it at Soundcheck, and John said, hey, sing that again. And uh, John ended up recording the thing. But it's really, uh, it's such a really wonderful, incredibly well-written song about just the problems of the uh, country we live in. And um, I think he wrote it in the wake of 911, but it's so... Uh, applicable still. I thought, yeah, it seemed like a new song. When you listen to it, it could be from 2021, 2022. Yeah, it's killer. He's a great songwriter. Well, let's roll on through your album now. I mean, some interesting tunes. Same Boat Brother. Let's talk about that one. It's an old one. Yeah, that's an old one from um, probably the 40s. Uh, Yip Harburg is one of my favorite lyricists. He wrote all the lyrics to the movie songs in Wizard of Oz and uh, he wrote a lot of great uh, songs with all the great sort of Tin Pan Alley uh, composers of you know the music side Harold Arlen and I, I can't name them all but anyway Yip wrote that song and it was to me um, it was really important to find something like that to sort of to, to balance how every empire falls uh, you know say look we we can, we are in this together. We need to work on this together. There's no way to, you can do it alone. Well, speaking of not being alone, you go out on tour with three other guys sometimes that call themselves Hot Rise. I interviewed Pete Wernick last year, and he said Hot Rise is available, but you have to send us a lot of money. 
<laughs> well, you know, we um, we sort of put a button on it after uh, our forty first year. Decided to just kind of let it sit there, and then um, uh, the Rocky Mountain Bluegrass Festival at uh, I guess at uh, Rocky Grass we call it. Yeah, they are having their fiftieth fiftieth annual this coming July. And they asked us if we would play, and we were breaking our rule to play there. So, yeah, that was a lot of money, but it really was like the ceremony of it that got us out of retirement. Oh, that sounds so, wonderful. So we'll be there. I mean, there'll probably be some live stream of that somehow. I'm sure it's – I know it's sold out already and everything, but, uh, you know, it's – Hot Rise just continues to to be part of our our lives, even if we're not playing. Did you check in on uh, Nick and Pete when that fire went through near Boulder? Yeah, you know, actually, uh, everybody's fine. Uh, Nick's daughter has a house in Louisville, but it did it didn't get touched. And uh, other friends or, that I know of have all been okay. There's underground coal mines there that are abandoned, and they there's little holes in the ground up there by Marshall. And I said something about that to Nick. I said, "Do you think those coal mines? Every once in a while, you'd I mean, when I live there, you drive, and after I lived there, you drive through that area. It's kind of south of Boulder." And there'd be little little whiffs of smoke coming out of the out of the ground, and they sort of like embers. Now, they finally started investigating that last week, apparently. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad they At got first right they on thought it. Thought it was this cult out there that had a lot of fire pro- troubles before that lived down r- around there, but they're not so sure about that now. Well, if you what? get like hurricane winds going by, and there's a hole in the ground that's got a smoke coming out of it, it's gonna it's gonna stoke those embers. We're talking with Tim O'Brien. His new album is called He Walked On. And I assume and I know that it's on Howdy Sky Records, which is your own record label. Yes, got the record label still going. Proud of that. It's uh, we got a cottage industry. We have a house, but we call it a cottage industry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if people want more information about touring and getting your material, they go to timobrien.net. Is that not correct? That is correct. There's more information than you'll ever need to know about me, but it's handy because I can look on there and see where I'm supposed to go. (laughs) There you go. Well, I see that you're heading off on a little tour shortly, so we wish you the best on that. Stay safe. Keep the masks on when, except when you're singing, I guess. It's, you don't have, you haven't sang with a mask on, have you? Oh, I have, but I, uh, not on stage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And with that, we say we love you, my brother, and hope to see you out here in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area very, very soon. Tim O'Brien. All right. Thank you, Felton, and uh, thanks to everybody at KVMR. I, uh, my best to everybody, and I want to uh, send a special shout-out to Eric Rice. Condolences on his losing his partner in life. Thank you much, Tim O'Brien. That's our newscast for this Friday, February 4th, 2022. KVMR gets support from Hospice of the Foothills, Western Nevada County's nonprofit hospice, providing patient and family support, advanced care planning, and grief support since 1979. More information at hospiceofthefoothills.org. And Paul Emery Music and Nevada City Live 2022 at the Nevada Theater. Presenting the Earls of Newtown with the Broad Street Suite, Saturday, February 5th at 8 p.m. 
information at paulemerymusic.com. Stick around. At 6.30, we'll hear Curtain Call with Psy Musiker and Holly Grimaldi Flores, a show that hopes to become your go-to reference highlighting local arts and culture. We have so much good music headed our way, which Musiker and Flores dive into. The duo also interviews students involved in the Nevada Union High School performance of Puffs. The play is a comedic retelling of this little-known, under-the-radar book, Harry Potter. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.